Happy Veterans Day, everybody. It's Veterans Day. It's important to remember. It's important to note. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything, TonyKatz.locals.com. Tony Katz, that's me, K-A-T-Z, in case you were curious. TonyKatz.locals.com. This Veterans Day, uh, I wanted to make sure that I was clear, just like, you know, we made mention of the Marines yesterday, their 247th birthday. Uh, I wanted to make sure that we were focused. I wanted to make sure that we understood what it means to be a veteran, the difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day. You know, Memorial Day is about those uh, who gave all. Veterans Day is about those who served. And it's worthy of remembering, and these are people worthy of noting. Service matters. And this kind of service matters. And let those who want to denigrate, they denigrated then, you know, if we're talking about, uh, when we're talking about how this all started with the armistice in World War I, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. That's how this starts as Armistice Day and then moves into Veterans Day. And they disparaged those who, who fought in World War II, in Korea, in Vietnam. And so it goes. There will always be those who are just nasty sons of you-know-whats. Those, um, those are not the people we should concern ourselves with. We should concern ourselves with thanks. We should concern ourselves with reminding our families that we should be thankful. So I wanted to share with you, I, I think, one of the better talks on this subject, I went back to 1985, and I went to President Ronald Reagan, November 11th, 1985, speaking on Veterans Day as he had just laid a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier. A few moments ago, I placed a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier, and as I stepped back, and stood during the moment of silence that followed, I said a small prayer. And it occurred to me that each of my predecessors has had a similar moment, and I wondered if our prayers weren't very much the same, if not identical. We celebrate Veterans Day on the anniversary of the armistice that ended World War I the armistice that began on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. And I wonder, in fact, if all Americans' prayers aren't the same as those I mentioned a moment ago. The timing of this holiday is quite deliberate in terms of historical fact. But somehow it always seems quite fitting to me that this day comes deep in autumn when the colors are muted and the days seem to invite contemplation. We are gathered at the National Cemetery, which provides a final resting place for the heroes who have defended our country since the Civil War. This amphitheater, this place for speeches, is more central to the cemetery than at first might seem apparent. For all we can ever do for our heroes is remember them and remember what they did, and memories are transmitted through words. Sometime back, I received, in the name of our country, the bodies of four Marines who had died while on active duty. I said then that there is a special sadness that accompanies the death of a serviceman, for we're never quite good enough to them. Not really. We can't be. 
because what they gave us is beyond our powers to repay. And so when a serviceman dies, it's a tear in the fabric, a break in the hole, and all we can do is remember. It is, in a way, an odd thing to honor those who died in defense of our country, in defense of us, in wars far away. The imagination plays a trick. We see these soldiers in our mind as old and wise. We see them as something like the founding fathers, grave and gray-haired. But most of them were boys when they died, and they gave up two lives, the one they were living and the one they would have lived. When they died, they gave up their chance to be husbands and fathers and grandfathers. They gave up their chance to be revered old men. They gave up everything for our country, for us. And all we can do is remember. There's always someone who is remembering for us. No matter what time of year it is or what time of day, there are always people who come to this cemetery, leave a flag or a flower or a little rock on a headstone. And they stop and bow their heads and communicate what they wished to communicate. They say, hello, Johnny, or hello, Bob. We still think of you. You're still with us. We never got over you. And we pray for you still, and we'll see you again. We'll all meet again. In a way, they represent us, these relatives and friends, and they speak for us as they walk among the headstones and remember. It's not so hard to summon memory, but it's hard to recapture meaning. And the living have a responsibility to remember the conditions that led to the wars in which our heroes died. Perhaps we can start by remembering this, that all of those who died for us and our country were in one way or another victims of a peace process that failed victims of a decision to forget certain things, to forget, for instance, that the surest way to keep a peace going is to stay strong. Weakness, after all, is a temptation. It tempts the pugnacious to assert themselves. But strength is a declaration that cannot be misunderstood. Strength is a condition that declares actions have consequences. Strength is a prudent warning to the belligerent that aggression need not go unanswered. Peace fails when we forget what we stand for. It fails when we forget that our republic is based on firm principles, principles that have real meaning, that with them, we are the last best hope of man on earth. Without them, we are little more than the crust of a continent. Peace also fails when we forget to bring to the bargaining table God's first intellectual gift to man, common sense. Common sense gives us a realistic knowledge of human beings and how they think, how they live in the world, what motivates them. Common sense tells us that man has magic in him, but also clay. Common sense can tell the difference between right and wrong. Common sense forgives error, but it always recognizes it to be error first. 
We endanger the peace and confuse all issues when we obscure the truth, when we refuse to name an act for what it is, when we refuse to see the obvious and seek safety in Almighty. Peace is only maintained and won by those who have clear eyes and brave minds. Peace is imperiled when we forget to try for agreements and settlements and treaties, when we forget to hold out our hands and strive, when we forget that God gave us talents to use in securing the ends he desires. Peace fails when we forget that agreements once made cannot be broken without a price. Each new day carries within it the potential for breakthroughs, for progress. Each new day bursts with possibilities. And so hope is realistic and despair a, a pointless little sin. And peace fails when we forget to pray to the source of all peace and life and happiness. I think sometimes of General Matthew Ridgway, who the night before D-Day tossed sleepless on his cot and talked to the Lord and listened for the promise that God made to Joshua. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. We are surrounded today by the dead of our wars. We owe them a debt we can never repay. All we can do is remember them and what they did and why they had to be brave for us. All we can do is try to see that other young men never have to join them. Today is now. Today as never before, we must pledge to remember the things that will continue the peace. Today as never before, we must pray for God's help in broadening and deepening the peace we enjoy. Let us pray for freedom and justice and a more stable world. And let us make a compact today with the dead, a promise in the words for which General Ridgway listened, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. In memory of those who gave the last full measure of devotion, may our efforts to achieve lasting peace gain strength. And through whatever coincidence or accident of timing, I tell you that a week from now, when I am some thousands of miles away, believe me, the memory and the importance of this day will be in the forefront of my mind and in my heart. Thank you. God bless you all, and God bless America. It is still um, to this day. I mean, that was 1985, November 11th, 1985. Ronald Reagan. Um, to to this day, one of um, one of those speeches that it's worthy of re replaying one of him just uh, talking about these kinds of of moments is when he is um talking about d-day and he's in france uh, uh point to walk that that speech is is stellar it's just it, on a day like veterans day it's just worthy of of hearing somebody who was really connected to it to whom it mattered and mattered greatly.
uh, that we have th- this nation that that survives, that perseveres, that moves forward. And today we look at the nation and we say to ourselves, uh, we've got half the country that doesn't even think that this is a nation worth saving. We have this squad. We have this progressivism. This is the guy who defeated communism. And here we are 40 years later fighting these people again because these people are insidious and this mindset is diseased. And our option is only to fight. And it's why when I talk about the election, it was good and bad whether you like it or not. Those school board victories that took place all across the country, this is magnificent. Can't be denied. Worthy of celebration. I know people are going to focus on the House and the Senate. I understand the issue. It is not the totality of politics in America. It just isn't. There's so much and so much that you have done and so much that you still can do. And those school board races, that's about your kids having an education that is valuable, an education, not an indoctrination. Somebody asked me the other day, well, how do you define indoctrination? How do I define indoctrination? The idea that you can only have one way of thinking. The idea that you would call somebody an oppressor for their existence. You would tell somebody that they are bad for the color of their skin. That you would segregate them out in this way. That you would tell people that they are victims regardless of what they do because of their skin color. This is pure, raw, unadulterated evil and is an indoctrination of a point of view that doesn't allow for free thinking and free minds allows for only the statement of, well, here's what we have to do in order to fix this. And that involves destroying quite literally the nation. Is indoctrination uh, a pledge of allegiance to the United States of America? Someone could argue that. But indoctrination is saying if you don't use the right pronouns, you're guilty of attempted murder. You don't want to call it indoctrination? All right, fine. There is good and there is evil. And when people run for school board and win, and they don't want to have kids taught that they are evil for the color of their skin, bad for the color of their skin, or victims for the color of their skin, those are the good guys. There. I made it easy for you. I'm Tony Katz. Crimson Hellscape. Well, you got to love a good turn of phrase, don't you? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Always a pleasure, guys. The Sun Sentinel, which is a newspaper in Florida, their editorial board after the midterm elections wrote, Nice knowing you, Florida. After Tuesday's stunning election results, the state's political transformation is now nearly complete. From deep purple battleground to crimson hellscape, an ideal launch pad for Governor Ron DeSantis's presidential aspirations. Um, that's a lot of hate. Crimson hellscape, meaning it's a red state. Did I say hello, Tony Katz? Tony Katz today? I forget. Um, that's a lot of hate because the state's now red. Because Miami-Dade went for Ron DeSantis well over Democrat, who was once a Republican and is forever a tool, Charlie Crist. Look, he did it to himself. 
If you think that Ron DeSantis is a good guy, if you have that hate in your heart, then I don't want your vote. That is a ridiculous thing to say. Didn't Carrie Lake at the end of the campaign say something like that in Arizona about um, John McCain uh, supporters? Dude, I'm no fan of McCain as a senator. I don't think he was good. I I get that Meghan McCain's whole job is to defend his legacy. What else is she going to do? I I don't need to uh, be insane about it. If you ask me, I'm like, he wasn't a good senator. Voting down skinny repeal to get back at Trump was was petty. The dude had pettiness. That's all there is to it. If you if you liked him in any way, I don't want your vote is bad politics. It is. It's if you support communists, I don't want your vote. If you used to and you changed your mind, I would love your vote. There there's a big difference between these things, guys. A big, big difference between these things. But this newspaper is nuts. They later replaced the word hellscape with landscape. But it, it, it's it's too late. We now await a second-term agenda, writes the editorial, that may feature an open carry law, tighter abortion restrictions, new strategies to suppress the vote, and more charter flights for out-of-state migrants, presented with even more of the governor's trademark hubris. He just won by a million and a half votes. Uh, he, he's entitled to some hubris. What what uh what vote uh, suppression are you talking about? You're gonna keep talking about this? There was no voter suppression. More people are voting. More people voted in Georgia. Everything Stacey Abrams said was a lie. But go on, you keep talking about it. Cause what else do you have? It's just talking points. You're not even interested in in the intellectual conversation. You're not interested. You're not interested. We get it. What you really are is angry that the guy connects. It's petty. It's like Trump petty. That's what you are, whatever the name of your paper is, Sun Sentinel. You're Trump petty at this stage of the game. You should be laughed at. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. The Indianapolis Colts will play the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas. That is a 4.05 p.m. kickoff. And they'll do it with interim coach Jeff Saturday. A different type of leader, says uh, 107.5 The Fans, uh, Kevin Bowen. But JMV, he's asking a different question. Jim Irsay says Chris Ballard's job is safe. Should fans believe him? You can find that over at 1075thefan.com. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Great to be with you. JMV joins us right now, 93.5, The Fan. 3 to 6 p.m. You've had a couple of days now to hear about Coach Jeff Saturday. What are you hearing from the locker room? What are you hearing from the organization? JMV, what do you say? Well, I tell you, they're saying all the right things. I mean, honestly, they're talking about the, uh, the you know, his... 
his demeanor, his personality being uh, you know uplifting and inspiring. I mean, who who knows? I think this is what you can honestly expect on Sunday. You're going to look for some discombobulation because with a new play caller and a new head coach, that's a head coach for the first time, and both of these both of these coaches, the play caller and Jeff Saturday, have you know been in those positions for the better part of three four days. So you can expect offensive discombobulation. But is it going to be any worse? I mean, I thought it bottomed down in Foxborough, Tony, last week. So, to me, unless you get a little bit more inspiration from the offensive line, thus we have not seen it so far this season, I can't imagine what we're going to see as that much of a change, especially on the offensive side of the football coming up on Sunday. So, listen, it's a great story. It is. It's too bad that the Colts in this season are much more interesting off the field than on the field. But until I see a difference in this offense, I can't say that they're going to roll in and beat anybody right now, Tony, honestly. So you've got uh, Parks Frazier. He's 30. Um, Former uh, personal assistant of Frank Reich who has been building himself up on the offensive coaching staff, he is going to be calling the plays. Uh, The question is, who the heck is he? (laughs) Well, he's a guy that years ago was uh, an equipment guy, I think, down at Samford University, which is in Birmingham, Alabama and somehow made a connection with Frank Reich and then, you know, got on. I think he went to Middle Tennessee State after that, but somehow met up with Frank Reich and got on here as an assistant. You remember there was a story back in 2019, Tony, where uh, his house that he had just moved into, he was out at the time, I think in Charlotte, North Carolina, was shot up. Uh, It was uh, mistaken for somebody else's house and was shot up over on the west side 77 times, I believe. Somebody pumped around 77 rounds into his house when he was not there back in 2019. So he was probably up until this point, up until this week, that storyline was probably more noted for him being here than certainly what he has done behind the scenes for this Colts team. But we'll see play calling wise what he's going to look like and what he tries to put together coming up on Sunday. Talking to JMV from 93.5, 107.5, the the fan. Um, Stick with the, the team just for a second. You're, you're Sam Ellinger. You've gotten the chance to take over. You're, you've gotten your first starts as an NFL quarterback. It's been a, a dreadful start. People have reminded you, don't worry. Uh, Peyton started 3-13, and 13, man. It's all going to be all right. You just got to keep slinging. You just got to keep uh, doing. But he got sacked nine times last week and was running for his life. Have there been any changes made to this offensive line? Or is the introduction of Jeff Saturday in here, the firing of Reich, made people say, hey, you might actually have to block somebody. Yeah, well, Bernard Ryman, the rookie, is evidently going to get to start at left tackle. Uh, he hadn't been altogether very good this year either. Now, you look further down that line, I can't imagine that Matt Pryor is going to find a spot as a starter. Uh, he just may very well, but that could end up being Will Will Fries at right guard coming up on Sunday. So those, those are more than likely going to be the subtle changes with this offensive line. I don't know about you. I know that you watch as well as I do. To me, if Jeff Saturday or the Colts truly wanted to give themselves an opportunity to win, and this is nothing against Sam Ellinger. I'm not anti-Sam Ellinger at all. But if you really want to give yourself a chance to win, you know, given the circumstances of midweek, you get a head coaching change, a first-time guy, first-time play caller, you play Nick Foles. If Nick Foles 
is healthy. Obviously, he is. And I don't think that, that uh, Matt Ryan is ready to come back. But if you really, truly want to give yourself a chance to win, you play the guy that's been there and done that, and that's Nick Foles. But, again, this is a decision made, at least in my estimation, uh, from the top at Jim Irsay, and they're going to roll with Sam Ellinger. But if you really, truly wanted to win this game on Sunday, give yourself a chance. You play Foles. Uh, let's uh, one, one more thing. Um, we've seen Frank Reich uh, on the field in that demeanor, which is a little dour, um, yeah. silent, uh, always no emotion. Oh, Jeff Saturday is an emotional cat. So what do we see on the sideline? Um, I, I, I would guess fiery a little bit. Uh, who should I put this? Uh, maybe a mild Higher. I don't think you're going to see what we saw with Frank, I believe, up until the end. He, he looked like at times he was defeated. I mean, he did. His 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 facial expressions looked defeated. And I wouldn't blame him because his teams most of the time were being defeated while he was looking defeated. But inspirational words, I think, have a way of motivating Tony. So maybe Jeff Saturday can do that. I'm hoping for a storybook. The problem is with Jeff Saturday and Parks Frazier, they're still dealing with the same personnel that has been extremely flawed and incredibly disappointing this season. So I just can't see the offense changing. But there is no doubt when you're talking about those inspirational words, those motivational words, at least in a moment, in a week, it could inspire some guys to do things they have not done this year long lasting I would doubt but again as we talked about earlier this week I think Jeff I think Jeff Saturday has a gig I don't know what it's going to be even if the season does not go the rest of the way as Jim Mercy plans I think he has a gig a coach maybe as general manager player personnel decision maker I think he has a seat within that organization again Tony regardless of what happens on Sunday or for the remainder of the year Talking to JMV from 93.5, 107.5, the fan on the sideline. Is he going to go the Frank Reich and wear a hoodie? Is he going to go in, in that Colts polo, or will he go full Tom Landry? Oh, maybe I'll, I'll go with a hoodie, I guess. I mean, he's pretty svelte now. He's a big offensive lineman, a big center back in the day. I, I don't know if he's going to go with the khakis and kind of the, the polo-looking S-shirt right there like he might wear if he was doing TV or something. So give it give it maybe a pullover. I'm going to go with this. All right, Tony, a Colts pullover on Sunday. Go ahead and make the odds. Rest of the show, I'm going to go with Jeff Saturday being in a Colts pullover. What say you? Uh, I'm only hoping for the full Tom Landry, or at least just the hat. That's if what he I'm. Was Matt Bear, he would go shirtless. Well, he he is no Matt Bear. That much <laughs> is for sure. We will talk about uh, Chris Ballard uh, in a little bit, and is Chris Ballard's tenure with this team done at the end of the year? Because I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Saturday is a part of this team. This is very obvious, which leads us into a whole different uh, conversation. I'll get into you next time. Are we talking about planning for the Colts football future or are we talking about planning for Jim Ursay's future? That's a story we will get to another time. Really quick score Colts Raiders. Who wins this game? What's the score? 2017. Actually, check that. Take that back. I, I think I went 23 15. Raiders Sunday 23-15 Raiders So maybe he's right maybe he's wrong maybe it's going to be 23-15 I don't know where he I don't know where JMV has the Colts scoring 15 points I mean Chase McLaughlin with five field goals I can see that 
I think anybody could see that. I just don't know if they're going to be able to move down the field to get in field goal range to do it. My thanks to JMV, 93.5, The Fan, 3 to 6 p.m. Again, uh, if, if Jeff Saturday does the full Tom Landry, I'm going to be super excited. I'll just take the hat. Uh, it, it is interesting to have watched Indianapolis be like, oh, Jeff Saturday. Huh. They kind of shrugged it off. Like, I thought there would be this, what the hell is Ursay doing? This guy is, he's out of his head. But no, I'm not seeing that. I mean, maybe you will. Maybe you will. The Republicans are moving away from Trump faster than Indianapolis away from Ursay. And Ursay, um, I, I don't want to insult the man because, like, I, I, it's, it, A, it doesn't do any good, and B, it's, it's not my intention. But what happens when an owner clearly clearly is out of of step with how a team needs to be run? Is that what we is that what we're seeing and how come that is not more of a conversation? How is that not more of a subject going on in Indianapolis? I think it's because people like Saturday so much. And they think that he's got a, a real football mind, if, if, if you will, or at least there's a belief that he could have a football mind. Let's go find out. And then there's a belief that, well, listen, this is just going to be the year that they're going to figure out what Saturday is going to do within uh, the organization. People are talking about this idea that he would be the general manager. I'm going to put forward a very, very far-fetched theory. I'm talking about just Pure nonsense, ridiculousness. If I could be so bold, this is world cl- world class conspiracy theory. I just don't seem to have my conspiracy theory music. See, see what happens when I come to the studio, there, Ryan. I come to the studio, and and I don't have uh, my conspiracy theory music. The greatest, the, the the only thing I've got is this. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Yeah, that's half. Here's my conspiracy theory take. Jeff Saturday is there to feel out what it would take to be the Colts. Him, Peyton, a couple other guys from that team, they're going to buy in. Totally conspiratorial. I don't have a single ounce of proof. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Ursay's got the daughters. They want the team. I don't know the daughters. I'm sure they're lovely. They ever want to get together? Give it. Call me. Ringy dingy. You know. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I am most curious. Everyone talks about how Peyton should come on as general manager. Peyton, like, like in a in a John Elway role. Peyton as general manager. Why would he come in as a general manager? He's got all of these undertakings and all of this media that's going so well for him. Why would he do it? But if he came in as a partial owner, then he could still do all those other things. Why wouldn't that be the case? Why isn't that the take? That's mine. That is mine. He's looking at partial ownership and Jeff Saturday is out there to kick the tires. One man's thesis, one man's total, total conspiracy theory. It's a mystery. It's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma.
I love it. I I I love it. I only hope I get like excoriated for it, and then sometime this summer, you find out that I'm right. Oh, oh, it's gonna feel so good. It's gonna taste. It's gonna be delicious, delicious. I tell you, <laughs> keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. We're racing forward to do our part to avert the climate hell that the U.N. Secretary General so passionately warned about earlier this week. We're not ignoring harbingers that are already here. It's true. So many disasters. Climate crisis is hitting hardest those countries and communities that have the fewest resources to respond and to recover. Thank goodness Joe Biden is taking care of the big issues. The radicalness of the climate insanity is going to hurt everyone and black people and Asian people and Hispanic people and gay people and women and this group and that group and the other group and all of humanity. Not the climate, the insanity. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It is so good to be with you. What a week. What a week. But they never stop, they never rest, they never quit, they never stop, they never rest, they never, ever, ever quit. And you got to know that. You have to know that, and you have to be prepared to deal with it. We, of course, are focused on uh, the election. That's what we're focused on. And we are focused on, well, what's going to take place? What's going to happen? Where is this going to go? Will Republicans take the House? Never mind the Senate. It's very possible they don't take the Senate. It's possible they don't take the House. I don't know where we end up. I don't know where we end up because we're all going to be people wondering whether or not we accept Nevada and Arizona results. Monday? Or did it come out? Or You can't count. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. But it's equally embarrassing that the Republicans missed. That their voter turnout wasn't as strong as it should have been, yet it seems that if you go popular vote, Republicans won this thing. It's so wonderfully, joyously confusing that you need bourbon. And oh, there's going to be some bourbon this afternoon. I have got myself an Arturo Fuente masterpiece. I have the natural, not the Maduro. It's like an eight and a half inch cigar. And, and it is just waiting. A pound for pound for, for the price, top five. Eight and a half inch cigar, 25 bucks. It's, a, it's, you can go three hours. So that's pound for pound, a solid, solid price to be at. Solid, solid price to be at. Uh, so that'll be me uh, in just in just a little bit. I I I keep reminding people as I did the video yesterday uh, that I, that I do uh, with Americans for Prosperity, AmericansForProsperity.org. There is good and there is bad in this election, whether you like it or not. It's not all good. It's not all bad. Don't spin things. Look at them the way they are. Spin is what's happening from the political left. If they lose the house, why are they? Why would they act like they won? Because politics is an expectations game. They beat expectations. The Republicans still haven't learned this. I 
argue that there needs to be a change of leadership. I don't think McCarthy should be speaker. I don't want to hear about Tom Emmer leading things up from Minnesota. I don't want to hear any more from Rona McDaniel, and I'm not mad at her. She just didn't do the job. Like a... Like a... Like a coach, right? Like a coach. Just didn't do the, the job and therefore has to be replaced. Like Frank Reich of the Colts. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. TonyCats.locals.com. Monday, everyone. Take care.